welcome to Awaken Podcast. I hope you enjoy the teaching. All righty. If you want to make your way back to your seats, that would be great. Um, a couple things that we want to uh, announce and just let you know about, including the uh, missional priority, the, the garden. Uh, if you are new to Awaken, welcome to you. We're super glad you're here. We'd love to know that you were. Uh, there are cards in the seat pockets in front of you, or you can go online and click the I'm new button. Let us know that you were here. Fill that out, and somebody from our team will reach out and invite you to a beverage of your choice. Uh, those cards and tithes and offerings can go in the black boxes at each of the exits as you go. Uh, there are a few events coming. Camp Create, uh, this is a kids community one, so Camp Create is coming, as well as we're looking for volunteers for kids community. You all know that we have kids community at 9.30, and the goal is eventually when we get to, to fall and sort of, you know, ramping this thing back up that we would have kids programming uh, both hours again. Uh, and so Mandy is looking for kids community volunteers. I think we've got some details there, but uh, Camp Create is something we do in the summertime for the neighborhood kids and for our kids in the church. Uh, lots of different people volunteer. Last year I taught a fly fishing class. That was pretty hilarious. Um, imagine, you know, 10-year-olds out there with fly rods. There were no hooks, just yarn on the end of it. But you can still hurt somebody with a fly rod, fly rod and some yarn. Uh, so that was pretty fun, but um, if you have something that you do in the church, or something that you do, if you're an artist, or you, you can build stuff, or help, you know, teach kids how to build a mailbox, or a birdhouse, or something, um, Mandy's looking for volunteers for that kind of thing, for Camp Create. So, that is coming, and uh, we're also looking for volunteers there. You can reach out to Mandy if you're interested in either. Uh, there's a partnership coming, partnership class coming May 15th and 22nd, so partnership is what we call membership. Um, and uh, if you're interested in that, both, both of those gatherings are required. It's two days. Uh, lunch is, is provided for both, so if you can register, that we, we can feed you then. And then last but not least, we have a congregational meeting on May the 15th coming up. So um, 5.30 dinner, 6.15 meeting, and uh, we'll, we'll chat about uh, our church and where we're headed. Sound good? All right, if you have your Bibles, uh, we're going to be in the book of Philippians. Today we start a new series that's going to take us all the way into summer, actually, uh, past the end of school and uh, right up to the, the, the series that we do in the summer called Lost in Translation. Uh, by the way, if you have a passage in Scripture you would like for Lost in Translation this summer, please email me. We're gathering those right now. We just look at the most bizarre, difficult, hard-to-understand interpret passages in the Bible uh, throughout the summer, and so if you have one of those, let me know. But as we think about our church, uh, this little church called Awaken, and kind of where we are in our life together, this threshold that many of us are sensing in terms of what's next. We're sort of coming back after a global pandemic. We have kids' community again. We're, we can see each other's faces and hear each other's voices. Wasn't it sweet to hear your voices in here for prayers of the people? I love that. It's lovely. Um, I was thinking about what do we need to hear? What, what does Awaken need? And I was just continually drawn to the book of Philippians. Um, I know that for many of us, as women especially, uh, some of us have struggled with Paul. Um, maybe we're, we've grown out of some of the boxes that we were given uh, as younger people and younger in our faith. And, you know, studying a whole book of Paul may feel like we're dragging ourselves back to some of the boxes we're trying to get out of. Um, 
I know that Paul often gets wrangled and uh, by by you know reformed theologians and Calvinists, which you know if you've been around awake and long enough, you know that I have a few issues with on a few levels. Uh, some uh, maybe you you like verses you remember uh, you memorized you know in Awana or at church camp or something. They probably were Paul, and there's a really good chance they came from the book of Philippians. So I recognize that all of that is in the room, but. I also recognize that this book, more than any other of Paul's letters, is the most encouraging, like heartfelt, compassionate letter that Paul wrote to anybody. Um, there's, there's no controversy. There's no controversy, as our friends across the pond would say. Uh, there's no disappointment, really. Paul's not mad at the church, you know, so he's not firing back with retorts. And It's just Paul as a pastor, right? He started this church in Philippi, and it's a lot of his desires and hopes and dreams for them. And so as I sat with it and as I read it uh, and reread it, I was just strangely warmed by it. Uh, so I, I think part of, the, part of the work of our church in particular, I know many of you uh, have shared a similar journey as it relates to the church and the Bible and what does it mean to be a Christian in the world. And so there's a lot of asking of questions and taking of things apart. That's good. We celebrate that. Questions are not our enemy. They're our friends, actually. And I want to be a part of and I want to help reclaim some of the things. We don't want to throw the baby out with the bathwater, proverbially. We want to keep the things that are true and good and right, even in Paul, right? So, uh, and, and I think there's a lot to keep in this book. So that's where we're going. Um, a little bit of background before we read our passage this morning. Uh, the book of Acts tells the story of the church after Jesus' resurrection, and Acts 16 in particular tells the story of the, the beginning of the church at Philippi. Paul uh, and, and Silas make their way to Macedonia. They, they're given visions by the Spirit, don't go here, don't go here, and then the door's open to go there. They meet a woman named Lydia, who is a, a fine garment seller on the Sabbath down by the river, as you do when you're you know, trying to start a new church. You just go down by the river, talk to the ladies. Uh, the Lord opens Lydia's heart, and, and she becomes a believer, her whole family. And then uh, they meet this woman who's possessed by some spirit, and so she's able to kind of tell the future. She's a slave, and she makes whoever her owner is a lot of money by doing this. Paul just is very annoyed by her and casts out this demon, this spirit, and the people who you know, own this, this girl, are terribly upset because their income has been uh, seriously uh, lessened. And so they throw Paul in jail. They throw him in prison. There's a giant earthquake. Uh, their, their chains are loosened. And the jailer thinks, oh my gosh, I, you know, I have one job and all those prisoners are gone and I'm going to die. They're going to kill me. So he's about to kill himself. Paul's like, no, 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 no. We're all still here. We're all still here. And the jailer actually becomes a believer in, in Christ. And so Lydia and the jailer and his, their families are like the beginning of this church plant in Philippi. That's the beginning of the story. Uh, it, it's, uh, Paul, uh, the church began around like 49 AD. So this is right after, like 20 years after Jesus' resurrection. So we're talking first generation folks. Um, and Paul's likely writing from prison. Uh, some people believe he was in Rome at this point, like around 60 or 62 AD, something like that, that he wrote the book of Philippians. So that's the introduction. Now we're going we're gonna to study it. So, Joy, if you would, uh, and if you're able, please stand for the reading of Scripture. We're going to start in chapter 1, verse 1. Here we go. Paul and Timothy, servants of Jesus Christ, to all God's holy people in Christ Jesus at Philippi, together with the overseers and deacons, grace and peace to you from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. I thank my God every time I remember you. 
In all my prayers for all of you, I always pray with joy because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now, being confident of this, that he who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. It is right for me to feel this way about all of you since I have you in my heart. And whether I am in chains or defending and confirming the gospel, all of you share in God's grace with me. God can testify how I long for all of you with the affection of Christ Jesus. And this is my prayer, that your love may abound more and more in knowledge and depth of insight so that you may be able to discern what is best and may be pure and blameless for the day of Christ, filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ, to the glory and praise of God. Pray with me if you would. God, this morning as we turn our attention today and for the next uh, few months to Paul in this letter to this church in Philippi, I pray that you would... um, I pray that you would remind us where we've come from. I pray that you would bring to mind the stories and the memories of the ways in which you have been a part of this church. And, uh, and also, God, continue to grow in us a vision for the future and where you're calling us to. I pray that today there would be a sense of encouragement uh, for the work that you've called us to. Uh, We pray this in Jesus' name and by the Spirit's power which raised him from the dead. And the church said together, amen. You may be seated. I want to know how many of you have a bookmarker somewhere in your house that says, I thank God every time I remember you. It's probably pink with clouds on it, you know, like I thank God every time I remember you, yeah? Uh, As we study in Philippians, there will be many of these moments. Um, There are, it's like a... I was trying to think, like, what do we call this series? And I was thinking about, like, Casey Kasem's top, you know, America's top 40 or something like that. Um, It is literally, like, the top 40 hits of Paul. Um, Most of the passages that you've memorized or know or or are familiar with, there's a good chance they come from Philippians. Uh, But today what I want to talk about is I want to talk about partnership. I want to talk about uh, what I believe God has begun among us. And then I want to close with this sort of prayer that I think Paul has for this church in Philippi that I just so deeply resonate with for you and my prayer for you. So that's where we're headed today. Uh, So let's talk about partnership. Uh, First and foremost, we call membership partnership, right? I don't know if you recognize that, but most churches talk about membership where you're a member of the church. And we talk about partnership because language matters. Language matters a great deal, and so we choose particular words to say certain things. Like when you come to this, you're not coming to a church service. We call it the gathering, the gathering of God's people. So partnership is a big deal, and it matters, and it says something about uh, uh, when you say partnership, it's an intentional word. Paul says in verse 4, with joy in my heart, I thank God with joy in my heart because of your partnership in the gospel of Jesus Christ. This is what he says to the Philippians. He has joy in his heart for the koinonia in the euangelion. Koinonia, uh, anybody remember that word? Anybody out there? Koinonia. This was like a real rage in like the 80s among Christians and evangelicals. Oh, we just want to be a koinonia community, you know. Koinonia this, koinonia that. It's a little, uh, it became a little odd and a little weird, but koinonia, it's it's a word that means fellowship or uh, association, or communion, uh, even intercourse. So think about like intimacy. We're talking about uh, 
two people or a group of people communing, um, having community, fellowshipping one another, sharing, participating in something. And that fellowship, that association, that that uh, communion is in the glad tidings, the good news about Jesus, which is, in Christ, God has answered the question of death and evil, and by offering themselves sacrificially in love for the cosmos, for the world, which is what we celebrate at Easter. Jesus is crucified, but more than that, he's resurrected from the dead, which speaks a word of hope and life over death, right? It puts death in its grave, as some authors have written. And I love that Paul recognizes partnership that he has with the church, and I want to do the same this morning. I, with joy in my heart, when I think of you, I'm grateful for you and your partnership in the gospel, your participation and your partnership. Uh, for a long time, this church was just like a, a, a glimmer in my eye. It was a seed in my heart, and about 30 people, when it started, in a park up on the bluffs, got together and dreamt about this community. And... Uh, there is this quote about leadership that goes something like this. It says, like, if you're leading and no one is following, you're really just out for a walk. <laughs> right? Like, if you say you're leading something, but no one's following you, you're, you're really just out for a long walk. And uh, if you think that you heard from God to start a community, but nobody gathers, it was probably the burrito. <laughs> you know what I mean? You hear Christians talk about, ah, oh, I heard a word from the Lord, and then, like, like there's just no fruit you know, uh, no evidence that that word is confirmed. Your participation in this church is confirmation to me and to many of us who, uh, a few of us who are left that started this church, that God was up to something, that we weren't like, we didn't have bad, you know, food the night before. We weren't smoking something we shouldn't have been smoking. Like your participation is confirmation that God did something. God spoke a word and a group of people said yes to it. Um, and Awaken, is a, it, it's, a, it's a work of the people who participate in it, right? It's a work of the liturgy, literally means a work of the people. So this community, every time we gather, when, when it goes out into the world, it is a liturgy, it is a work of the people when you participate in it, when you play a part in it. So I think about, like, I have a bad memory, but I was just thinking back. Things like Camp Create, right? Neighborhood kids come and participate in in the gifts, the bounty of this community. Uh, trunk or treat, if you were here in the fall. Like hundreds of people from the community came and wandered around our parking lot, and you guys decked out your trunks, and it was amazing. It was like so much fun. You participated. Uh, last Sunday, if by the way, if you, if you did Ukrainian eggs, they're in the back. You should claim them because we don't want them. But there were 70 people here who... who, who uh, made Ukrainian eggs together. People from the community, people who had never stepped foot in this church or hadn't been here in 30 years. Uh, there was one person who said, yeah, I was like baptized here and I grew up going to this church, but I've, I haven't been back since. Which is a commentary. But there was one, two, one couple that came down late the second hour of the four o'clock seating and I was like, how did you guys find out about this? And she says, I literally Googled fun things to do in St. Paul tonight. <laughs> and the Ukrainian egg event came up. And they came. They just showed up. It was bizarre. Wild. My date to my freshman year Valentine's dance showed up at the Ukrainian egg event, you guys. That was so hilarious. I don't know if you're here today or not, but Kelly Thune, it's good to see you last week. It was amazing. 
uh, every meal, you know, like meals get put in backpacks and uh, the funds that you give get sent to that. The, the garden happens and pounds of food get sent because you participate, right? Meals get sent to people in hospitals and new babies and all of these kinds of things. And it reminds us that this thing called Awaken is a work of the people. It's your church because you participate in it. And I'm so grateful for that. I'm so grateful. And I'm grateful for your partnership. I'm grateful for your committed partnership. I mean, yes, each human is, is invited to respond to the divine invitation, right, individually. And that's a good thing, and it's wonderful. You know, if, Jesus, if you were the only one on earth, Jesus would have died for you too, right? If you remember hearing that at camp. That's good. And there are some things that you cannot do alone that we can only do together, which is part of the reason why the gathering on Sundays is so important and has been for the life of the church, because you can't, like, join a choir by yourself. You're not a choir when you're alone in your car. I mean, you probably sound great, but you're not a, you're not a choir, right? You can only do that. And some of you are like, ah, not really, actually. And that's why I don't sing at church. Thank you. Um, but you can. <laughs> you can. We would love to add your voice. Like, sing it out loud. Sing aloud. Uh, we can only sing together when we're together, right? We can only participate in Eucharist as the church when we're together, um, and, and partnership, it means a couple things, right? It means you're invited to something. The church as a whole is like the, particip the collective participatory response of humans to God's invite. That's what the church is, just simply. God needs a body. God asks for a group of people to be ambassadors and to reflect God into the world. And it's a group of humans who collectively say, yes, we'll, we'll partner. We'll be in this together. We'll dance with you. And it means we, can't, we can do together what we can't do alone. Um, I love the fact that when we gather on Sunday mornings, there is so much firepower in this room. Like, there is so much resource. There are so many stories. There are so many gifts and talents in this room. And, and I can't do everything, right? I, I can't, like, do what Jenna does week in and week out so beautifully. I can't, I, I can't play the piano as good as Mel. I never could even if I practiced a thousand hours. I can't do what Trevor does. I can't do what Jess does. I can't do what Mandy does or Kathy or even what Jane did. I can't adopt kids like some of you have. I can't change the welfare system like some people are doing or try to change the welfare system. I can't run a coconut company in the Philippines like Stephen. I can't help refugees like Tom and Donna. I can't, uh, I can't practice law like Andy and Nate and Eva. I can't be a therapist or a chaplain like Greg and Ken and David. I can't Sell houses like Maddie and Mike or mortgages like Brian. I can't be a teacher like Emily and do you see what I'm doing here? But we can do this together. And when we're together, do you realize like what shows up in the world? Like how much resource, how much firepower for good and light and love shows up when the church says yes. When we become partners in something that's bigger than ourselves. And who doesn't want that? To be a part of a story that's bigger than you? You're great and all. And... We all desperately need and want something bigger than ourselves to participate in, to be a partner in, and to say, we're doing that together. That's what all the great stories are made of, all the great movies. So I'm so grateful and thankful for the participation and the partnership of you all in this thing that we call the good news, the gospel. And I guess I'll just pause, and I will re-up that ask. I'll ask you, like, in this next season... Of, of ministry at Awaken, what will, what's your part? 
What will be your add to this thing that we call Awaken? Some of you have changed seasons. You've transitioned. You, were, you had parents, you have young children, and now your kids don't need you as much as they did before, right? Like, it's been a while since we've been together, and lots of things have changed. And so I want to ask you this morning to consider, to think about, like, what is your part in this next season of ministry at Awaken? What unique gift do you bring that you can offer? Will you engage financially if you haven't yet before in the, the common life and the common mission of our church? We can't do the things that we, that we see God at work doing without resources to do it, right? And that's part of why it's so beautiful to be a part of a community. Because you can do something together that you couldn't do alone. Will you join a life group or participate in a small group? Will you serve on a team? Uh, you know, we're talking about bringing back coffee and, and donuts. Yeah, a couple people are excited about that. But, like, they don't just show up. You know, I, I don't turn water into wine uh, or water into coffee and bread into donuts. I don't have that gift. So somebody has to, like, serve it and get them. And, you know, we got kids' community. We got youth groups. We got all kinds of things, music ministry, prayer ministry. So will you serve? Will you, like, put your hand to the plow and, and join in and, and, and add something? Um, will you... Will you join us when we serve and love our neighborhood and we open the doors and say, this is just a gift to the, to the people? Will you sign up and say, how can I help? Because here's the thing. I, I've noticed over the course of 20-some years, people love to say, oh, my church is doing this. My church, man, we're, we're, we're out there. We're doing it. Like, and then if you ask, like, so what part of that do you play? Oh, well, I mean, I'm, I'm gonna, I'm, I am gonna, I am gonna sign up for that. But man, our church gets, can I just challenge you for one second? Like, as a pastor who loves you, a shepherd who wants good things for you, don't claim the ministry of our church if your hand isn't to the plow. There's a time and a season where you may need to take a break, you may need to take a breath, you may need a breather, sit in the back and just heal. That's okay. That's fine. That's good. We want to make space for that. But claim the ministry you participate in, that you're a partner in, and say, I'm so proud of our church because we, actually we, are doing this. And when we all put our hand to the plow, man, I'm telling you, it's good news for the world. Amen? So let's do that together. I'm grateful for your partnership and your participation. Um, what has God begun here? I want to just testify for a minute. Mike is going to give a testimony up in church this morning. Um, there, as I said, 70 people, Ukrainian eggs. We raised $3,000 to go to refugee work in Ukraine. This is awesome, right? Tom, Tom told stories and showed pictures of like real people doing real work in, in the name of Jesus uh, for folks who are displaced in and outside of Ukraine. That's happening because of, in part, some of your effort. Uh, I receive email after email after email about how grateful people are to have found a refuge and a home and a safe place for queer kids, for their queer kids, and for them and for their friends. Yeah. And, and, and I get letters from covenant pastors, like old-time covenanters. They write me letters, you guys. They send me emails about you, about the work you're doing. And they say things like, thank you for being steadfast and for standing for something that you believe in so resolutely. You're inspiring to me and our church. Um, there are, uh, there are uh, like hundreds of people in the parking lot last year for Trunk or Treat just recently. We went through a global pandemic. I don't know if you guys know that or not. It's still happening out there, actually. Uh, and, and for the most part, like really healthily as a church, 
financially, like made it through a global pandemic where businesses and churches shut down and laid people off. And like you all, we were, you were faithful and we, we're making it, we're doing it. That's fruit of the spirit at work in our midst. There, uh, I heard a story recently of a family who felt like they, just, they, they, they were growing beyond the container that they were in and they needed, to, they needed to change. But they stayed where they were because they felt like their kids needed what they offered. Well, it turns out their kids needed to change too. They came to awaken and it's literally changed the trajectory of their family's life. That's this. That's happening like right here in your midst every week. There's fruit. There's a lady who walked through the neighborhood a couple of months ago. The doors were open. The sun was shining. It was a sacred Sunday, so the screen was down. She looked in and saw Jesus and told, told, me, told me the story. She just sensed God's invitation to, like, make her way back to church. That kind of stuff is real. It happens, like, every week. And you may not hear those stories, but I want to just testify to the fruit that is on the tree around here. And it's good. It's good. And it, and it bears witness uh, to lots of things, but part of it is the good news is that it's the work of God. It's the work that God has begun, not any one person. Uh, it is, it was, it is, and it will be he, Christ, who began the good work in you and in me, and it's Christ by the Spirit who will keep it going. It's not sermons, it's not songs, it's not even the good things that happen in our church. It's the Spirit present and at work in our lives. And it is, it's a beautiful thing to bear witness to. Um, I remember, I, he- I heard a story about a church planter who started their church, and, and they, you know, were a pastor for like 30-some years or so. And they told this story about like they, were, they started it with five or six families. And God gave them this like just great gift that those families like walked all the way to the end with this pastor till they were done at the church. And it, said, like, it was the greatest gift in ministry that God ever gave. And I was like so inspired by it. Early on in church planting, I heard this story. We were just beginning, and I was like, God, would you do that? Would you, like, the, the same, when, I'm, when, when I hang it up, when I get to the end of this race, you know, would you give me the gift of having, like, a group of people who said, we're with it all the way to the end with you, Micah. That lasted about two years. And then people started leaving. And I remember being devastated. I remember being crushed. Like, the person we started awakening with, uh, first worship leader, Decided to move on and take another job. And I was just devastated by it. I, I, I wept about it. And then, you know, a family here or a family there moved on or moved from, to another state or left because it just wasn't what they needed anymore. And I remember being so upset about that. And then it dawned on me that it was a gift. Over time, I've, I've learned to see it as a gift. You want to know why? Because it's not just, it's not about you. And it's not about me. Over and over and over again in the life of this church, when somebody leaves, somebody else came. Whatever hole or void was left, someone else filled it. Or that season of ministry was over, and a new season of ministry began with the new people who filled the seats. Friends, I will just tell, I can tell you story after story after story about this person left, and then that family came, and that person left, and then this person came. And it just, it's, it's like, it's confirmation to me that it's not about any one of us. God is up to something in the world. And the church is on the move. It has been over the course of history since Jesus was resurrected from the dead. And it will continue to be. It is a river, and we stand in it. We, like, we're a part of it right now. We're in a raft, and we're floating down. And then there will be a time when I'm gone from this church, and you're gone from this church. And I pray, and I trust that it will keep going. And even if Awaken doesn't, the gospel keeps going, Yeah? Because it's not about Awaken. 
It's about the good news of Jesus, the, the Christ, crucified and resurrected. And I'm confident of that, that when that day comes, when I leave or you leave or this church is, its season of ministry is over, that the gospel will keep going. Yeah? Amen. Amen. And I'll close, uh, wrap this up with Paul's sort of prayer that he prays for the Philippians in this opening chapter. He says, and this is my prayer for you. And he mentions three things, just briefly. That your love would overflow in knowledge and wisdom, that, you're, that you would be able to discern, and that your life would bear the fruit of righteousness. What does he even mean by that? Love overflowing in knowledge and wisdom. For Paul, and for the ancients of Paul's day, things were much more integrated. We, we often like to separate things. We like to take it apart and put it on a shelf and put it in a box. So you have love, and then you have action. Or you got, you know, emotions, and then you got, like, real-life, you know, things in the world. Uh, you got your head, and then you got your heart. And I want to suggest that for Paul, these things are the same conversation. Um, that you cannot separate the experience of God's love in your life and the impact or affect it will have on you in, in your real life, like lived out in the world. Paul says his prayer is that the love, agape, that these people have received and experienced in Christ would then overflow in knowledge and wisdom. Uh, the word overflow is periseo, to be over and above, to abound. So his prayer is that the love of God would not remain in the believer. Right? It's always been blessed so that. Think all the way back to Genesis 12. Abraham, I'm going to bless you so that. Paul's prayer is that the love that the church would, has experienced would not remain in the believer, but would abound, would overflow, would spill out into the streets. Because it's not just for you. It's not just about you. It's not just about me. N.T. Wright says, if Christian love is the genuine article, right, true love of God and for another, it is bound to work its way out in a knowledge and wisdom which is me much more than mere learning, book learning. So he says, I pray that your love that you've experienced would overflow in knowledge and wisdom. Your ability to discern. Uh, he moves on. Your ability to discern. He prays that the deep knowing of the wise and tested love, it will result in moral discernment. Philippi was crazy. It was a wild town. Uh, there were all kinds of things that, uh, it was a, a, a buffet of options, much, uh, not unlike the world that we live in, right? Sexually, politically, philosophically, there were all kinds of competing views. And Paul, notice what Paul doesn't pray for. He doesn't pray for certainty. He doesn't pray that they would get the right answer. He doesn't pray that they would be orthodox in their affirmation. He doesn't pray that like the, 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 the mental furniture in their head would be all arranged correctly. No. He prays for discernment. For the ability to discern what's good and life-giving. That they would be able to weigh something and find the thing that is more weighty and, and move towards that. That they would be able to discern what is light and dark. And they would move towards what is light. Right? That's a process that is not, uh, how shall I say, there's no formula for that. It takes maturity, and it takes, like, a person who's engaging and listening to friends and community and the spirit and scriptures and the tradition that you're in. Like, that's to discern. I can't give you an answer to the question that you have. But I pray that you would be able to discern, that you would, like, that... The love you've experienced in God, it would overflow in wisdom and knowledge. And you would be able, you would be increasingly able to discern uh, 
to prove, to test, to examine what's tried and true. That increasingly, your ability to find what is good and what is life-giving and fruitful, that it would grow, that you would become mature in your faith. That's what I hope, that's what I pray for. And then lastly, that you would be filled with the fruit of righteousness. Righteousness is one of those words that maybe, I don't know about you, but you kind of go, you know, you're, you, you can see the sign, you know, the person out on the street corner with the bullhorn. He would have something about righteousness and the wicked generation or something like that. You know, you got to live like the righteous. Well, what, is, what does righteousness even mean? Technically, it's a Greek word that means divine approval or right standing. It's a legal term. So it's this idea that as you stand before the divine, that there's nothing between you. The, the, the accounts have been kept short. There's no distance. There's no, uh, there's no breaking. There's no fissure in your relationship between you and God, that you would be righteous in that sense. So what's Paul talking about? What's the fruit of that for someone in the world? That, you would, that, that, that the fruit of righteousness would be yours. Imagine like a small child, if you will. Like even just close your eyes. Imagine a small kid... And they're, 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 like they're facing something in front of them. Maybe it's a challenge. Maybe it's a playground. Maybe who knows what it is. And then they, there's this moment where they pause and they look back. And they find you, parent, grandparent, friend, uh, guardian. And they look to you to say, like, am I okay? Can I do this? Like, am I safe? And there's this... There's this like relationship connection between you and that child. And then they turn around with confidence that they've, been, they've seen you and they know that they can do it. And they turn around and whatever's in front of them, they just go for it, right? That's the fruit of righteousness. That's the fruit of confidence that you have between you and the person you're with, your parent, guardian, whoever it is, you look back, like, yes, you can do it. You've got it. You've got it. I'll be with you. I'm watching. I'm here. And they turn around and they take it on with gusto, right? That's the fruit of that relationship. So what Paul says is, I pray that you would experience the fruit of being in relationship with God, being connected to the source, the one that gave you life and that breathes life into the world right now, even today. And that that fruit would propel you out into the world with joy, with gusto, with like, yesness, with, uh, you know, you ever see Jim Carrey, the, the, what's the movie where he just keeps saying yes to everything? <laughs> you know, that you would just be filled with that. And whatever's in front of you, whether it's a challenge or a new job or a family situation or a, a difficult you know, thing happening in your neighborhood or with your neighbor or as you engage politically or whatever it is, that you would be filled with the fruit of connection to God. That, 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 that the Spirit of God would propel you out into the world for the sake of love and good news and gospel. Yeah? So friends, as I think about this book that we're going to study and this opening section um, I, just, I, I just found it to be a, a good spot to sort of pause and say, as your, one of your pastors, um, I'm so grateful for you. I'm so grateful for your participation, for your partnership, for your yes to this thing that a few of us thought was a good idea. And it turns out there's more of you that, that thought something like Awaken needs to exist in the world. And you've come, and you've said yes. And there are people who aren't at this table anymore, who were here, who said yes for a season can I encourage you to remember them, to be thankful for them and their witness and their walking out of the journey until their season was over. And now you're here. And I, as your pastor, want to say I'm, I'm so grateful. Thank you. Um, I hope and I pray, like Paul, that you would, uh, 
you would be full of God's love and God's uh, joy and, and that you would be sent out into the world, that you would experience the love of God in your life and it would overflow that you might continue to to grow in your capacity to discern between what's good, what's life-giving, what's fruitful, and that you would be filled with the the fruit of being connected to the divine. Because I think when that happens and when the church gathers and says yes, it's good news to the world. And that's what I'm about. That's what I think we're about. So an, an invitation to that. Pray with me if you would. God, this morning as we... Um, Take a moment in silence to consider Paul's letter, Paul's uh, invitation, his correspondence to this little church in Philippi. I pray that by your spirit you would be present here at Awaken. That in the next few moments, um, those that call this place home and who are in the process of making that decision, God would sense your invitation to what, what, might they, what part might they play in this next season. What is it that they bring uniquely that they can offer for the sake of the cause? And the cause is love. The cause is light. It's freedom. It's liberation. It's, uh, it's justice flowing like, like a river. God, that's what we want to be a part of because that's what we believe you're about. And so whatever part we play in that, uh, I pray that you would make clear uh, in our church today. As we respond this morning and and close our time together, we want to give you an opportunity to respond in a number of different ways. Uh, Josh is going to lead us in song. I invite you to to sing along if the words are uh, express what you need to say and want to say. Our prayer space is open as well. Um, And also communion is available to you this morning. So on my left and on my right, uh, there are elements for communion. And if you'd like, you're invited to come up to the table. Um, There's red wine and white grape juice. There's a little sanitizer. Grab a little of that, piece of bread, Dip it in one of the cups. And as you do, know that the body of Christ has been broken for you and the blood of Christ has been shed for you. Um, So let's do that together as we respond this morning. To the church gathered this morning, I hope you are encouraged. I hope you leave knowing your part to play, that you sense God's spirit inviting you, and that you feel a yes rising up in you. So go with this blessing. The Lord bless you and keep you. Lord, lift up his face to shine upon you and be gracious unto you. Lord, lift up his countenance to you and give you peace. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And the church said together, amen. Grace and peace, friends. See you next week. Find us online at www.awakencommunity.com or on Facebook at www.facebook.com backslash Awaken Community. Or on Twitter, Awaken Community. See you next time.